0: this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Kenan Jepson, President of the Top of Utah Snowmobile Association. We discuss how significant snowmobiling is to the area, his favorite places to ride, and what they do to increase access to winter recreation for all. Okay, welcome back everyone. This is Chase Anderson, and today I'm joined by Kenan Jepson, the President of the Top of Utah Snowmobile Association. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Not a problem at I, all.
0: I appreciate you being here. I'm sure you'd rather be other places out on the out on the mountain,
1: but who, who wouldn't want to be though?
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's great right now. Um, it, especially recently, we've been bringing on more winter sports people, and and I think some people in Cache Valley, maybe people who aren't from here, they come from you know come for school. They realize, oh, we have longer winters here. Maybe they don't love that. And it's been fun to talk to a few people in the winter sports community because they say winter's my favorite season. And I love that it's a little longer here. Um, What are your thoughts on that as a snowmobile association? I'm sure you love longer winters.
1: Well, to put it simply, I can ride my snowmobile like nine months of the year and my Harley about half of that. Mm. So if you don't have a hobby in the winter, you're going to be kind of miserable around here, I think. Right. But
0: yeah, so it's, it's been fun to talk to those people who are, are really embracing the winter, whether it's motorized, non-motorized. Um, so we'll get into the motorized side of things today. Um, but as as president, maybe can you share a little bit about what the association does? Obviously, you're an association, f- you know, by and for snowmobilers, um, but you're focused on this area, northern Utah. Yep. Can you talk about the about the club and what you guys are about?
1: So more than anything, what the club is, is it's... I guess, for one, trying to gain culture and community around the snowmobile world in our local area. Um, Our main goal is to generate funds. We do fundraisers, um, raffles, things like that. Um, Try and generate funds to help keep our lands open and usable for everybody. Um, We're not like, hey, we want it just for snowmobilers. We want everybody to go out and recreate and enjoy it. We don't want to see land close to anybody in any way. One of the things we've done this year, you know, as as a club, is um, Providence Canyon has a grooming trail. Stan Checketts always groomed that out of his own budget. He bought a snowcat and been grooming it. Well, Cody Frederick and uh, Brooks Williamson, they've kind of picked that up. Last year they funded it out of their own pocket, and I mean you're talking at least four or five grand a season. Um, This year we were they started a uh, funding. Crowdsource funding and uh, they were able to raise like $2,500 from the general public in our area. The people just pitched in their own money. Um, As a club where we get the membership dues and everything else, we're trying to help the public and our our members so we were able to donate $1,500 as top Utah Snowmobile Association and as president I'm also on the board for Utah Snowmobile Association. I was able to present it to them at our last board meeting and they matched ours so we were just able to donate a $3,000 check which is, is a decent amount of money. Um, the same day that we decided to donate that money, the transmission went out in the snow cat. So there goes a $2,700 bill just to operate, to groom this trail. Now we're not the only ones that use this trail. Um, we have, there's plenty of cross country skiers that we see up there, people snowshoeing, walking their dogs, things like that. So it's, it's just nice to be able to keep a smooth groomed trail that's, you know, works for everybody.
0: Right. That's a lot of people, I feel like even like, especially your casual Um, you know, recreationalists, I don't think people realize how much goes into making sure these places are accessible. Right. Oh, exactly. Especially on the, on the snow side of things. Um, I don't know. I think, I think some people, and I was kind of this way too. I I would just think, oh, snow falls, trails don't get used. Right. Yeah right. Yeah, you know, who's out on the trails? Yeah, the right roads now. all get like, covered. Yeah, it's all covered. You know, who's out grooming them? People just go to Beaver, right, and ski. Yep. Um Or there's some places where they can go and, and snowmobile. But accessibility is so huge, and and who's responsible for that? And I think one thing that's really interesting about the outdoor industry um, is this willingness to just there's just such a love for these places that yep. you'll find a way to get it done and make it available, right? Oh, that's exactly. Um, and I love that you guys are all about just making it available for everybody. Um, so that's that's really cool to hear what you guys are doing like day to day to make places available. So Providence Canyon, you guys are kind of owning that in a way and trying to
1: for the most chip part, in. yep.
0: That's great. So um so the the club you're you're out there trying to make places more accessible. What else are you guys working on? Education? Um, uh, what what other areas are you interested in?
1: So through the Utah Snowmobile Association, the state association, we've kind of put on an uh, our goal is to educate Utah families. So we've done an avalanche class this year that we're able to take, I guess I shouldn't say an avalanche class. It's more of a motorized basics 101. So we go out and we teach some avalanche training, you know, how to dig a pit, do a uh, test column so you know what stability of the snowpack is, you know, we have a section where we teach wilderness survival, you know, starting fire in the backcountry, what should you have in your pack to stay safe in case you've got to spend the night, whatever else that way. Um, We do a companion rescue portion where we go out and bury transceivers. And um, the class members, they get to go out and actually probe and dig and do the proper procedure to dig up a uh, buried transceiver, which we try and put them in a stress situation so they can see really how likely is it without good training your riding buddy is going to come out alive. Um, And then we just try and do a basic, you know, Go over a transceiver, how to use them, um, things like that. That's that's some of the stuff we're working on. That way. Um, Aside from that, we're just trying to build the community and just get out for rides and make everybody feel welcome.
0: Right, that's great. You guys are doing a lot. Um, How how long has this association been together? What's the history of this group?
1: Oh, I don't even know. It's been around a while. Um, I kind of got brought in by Josh Hendrickson, which Josh and Carrie. I mean, Josh has been in it since he was. A kid, like probably barely able to crawl, honestly. Kerry, um, uh, Kelly Lishman. There's a there's a bunch of families that are that have been running this together for a long time. Um, I know they had a significant part in uh, opening Tony Grove back up. or I think around like 2000 mm. area. Uh, Tony Grove got shut down. They were trying to shut down from Franklin Basin, the border of Utah, and Idaho, all the way down through all of Tony Grove. And it did, part of it did get shut down. Mm. Um, and it took an act of Congress to get it back opened up. And so, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of history as to why our club is the way it is. And um, you got some of these older club members that I'm, I'm kind of coming in, shaking things up a little bit, trying to change the way we do things and, and hopefully bridge the gap between all of the backcountry users. Um, and, and you've got some of these guys that are like, I don't know. They've they got a little skin in the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they feel like, you know, they've been pushed around and they don't want to see that happen again. And so uh, there's a lot of history in our club, but I think everything's changing. Um, and I think we're we're growing as a group and growing as a outdoor recreational group in general you know, like I say, bridging the gap to uh, other users in the back country. That's
0: great. Uh, what, what does the membership look like right now? Like how many active participants are, are involved in in the organization?
1: Um, you know, every fall at our fall social that we have, it's our fundraising deal. Uh, we usually have 125 to 200 people show up. Wow. Um, not everybody joins. And it's hard to say how many members we have because we have, you know, you can sign up as an individual or mm-hmm. a family or a corporation. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head how many quote unquote members we have at the moment, but, uh, we have support. And if I, if I ever put it out there or any one of the other members on the board with me, if we put it out there that we need help with anything or are moving a certain direction, the support's there. Um, right. even if people aren't a member of the club, they're joining. Um, in fact, with this avalanche or the motorized basics, one-on-one class we had, um, one of the uh, requirements to, to be part of that class, which was free, was you need to be a member of the club because that's one of, this is one of the perks of being a member of our club. Um, and so, I mean, I had buddies that were coming up from Salt Lake area, Wyoming, uh, Twin Falls. I know of a couple guys that signed up and joined our club out of Twin Falls. Mm. just to uh, participate in this and help support what we're doing. oh that's great. so the membership's growing and not even just on a local level
0: right and I was gonna so that kind of leads into my next question where are you pulling people from like your focus is northern Utah Where does that begin and end I guess
1: so I uh, I kind of have my side deal where it's sled venture I what my goal is is to get people out and join the snow I I can't say as I guide. Um, I go out and ride with groups. So if people aren't from here, you know, part of, part of being the present, I kind of see it as my duty to help people stay safe and enjoy the backcountry. And so I take people out and ride. I don't get paid, 0% paid, none of that. I just take people out and ride, keep them safe. And, I mean, the, the thing about the backcountry is you could be one ridge from an amazing day and amazing snow. Um, and if you don't know that you need to jump over this one ridge in this one particular spot, it can change your entire day, and so I've got groups that are coming out from Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, even back on the East Coast that are coming out to enjoy the snow, um, and some of them don't have the money to go out and pay somebody, you know, three or four hundred dollars a day to guide them around. And so I'm, I'm self-employed, so I can for the most part take off the time that I need, and I just go out and ride with these groups and just build a friendship. You know, at the end of the day, it's networking. So. Um, where we're pulling people from is everywhere. Mm. You know what I mean? I think, I think as a whole, the snow community isn't just your local area, it's, you know, it's worldwide really at the end of the day. Like anybody who knows anything about good pow, knows that Japan has some amazing snow. And I don't think there's anybody that boards that doesn't want to go over to Japan at some point and play around in the snow they have. Right. And, and, you know, likewise. So uh, we're pulling people from anywhere that we can. And just trying to support the community. Community, um, if we support the community, community supports us, and it's just kind of we feed each other.
0: What do you think it is about this this region, Northern Utah, when it comes to snowmobiling? I know that there's just a there's a lot of land up the canyon, right? Is there a lot of terrain? What Why do you, What do you think? Is there something special about this area? Or?
1: So, with the groups that come out and ride with me, I'm I'm able to talk to these groups that, like, my buddy's from Michigan. We'll take that for instance. They go out every year, they plan a week, and there's a group of nine to 15 of them typically that go, and they travel around and find their areas they like to ride. You know, they go up to Canada area, Colorado, they've been everywhere. Um, I think what we're able to do here is we have every type of terrain. You know, we've got some creek bottoms, we've got good shoots up Tony Grove and and a few other places. Um, We've got huge cliff drops if you want them, big jumps. Big open meadows, big open pools, really steep trees. I, I mean, the terrain is just amazing. We have some of everything, and the snow stays so good. Um, people ask me, you know, well, what's the snow like in in April? Because you know that's spring. I can always find soft snow. Huh. Like we have a good enough area between what's on the Utah side and then traveling up to the Idaho side. That, I mean, there's always good snow to find. There's always plenty of area that's been untracked. Um, I, I think that's what makes it unique. And then from the other aspect, from the business side, I mean, you've got Zebros, RK Tech, um, gosh, you've got Boondockers Turbo that's pretty close. Uh, we've got huge support recycling sleds doing custom builds all over the nation. Um, you've got MPI Turbos down in Salt Lake area. Like we've, we have so many different brands in our area um, slick rock productions for mm-hmm. side-by-sides i mean you, you've got just huge support on the motorsports side um for aftermarket companies and there's so much just based in the uh, Cash valley area and i think that that also helps what we have but um at the end of the day i think we've kind of got a hidden gem mm-hmm. most people don't know about logan you know if you're if you're looking from the midwest come out west to snowmobile A lot of guys stop at like Wyoming go to Alpine or Star Valley area or you run down to Colorado go uh, rabbit ears Um, and some of them hit up you know Pinedale you drive that extra two to four hours um, you get in some amazing stuff Uh, I mean Logan's kind of just a hub for everything it's I think it's the biggest metropolitan area without a freeway running right next to it or through it Mm, so uh, I don't know we've we've kind of got this area that you want to share with people but you kind of want to keep it your own little stash you know
0: right and i think that's i think most people don't want more people to move here but they love the tourism right so yeah. if we can get the minnesota people to come in stay for a week yep. you know you, you know go to the restaurants here in town um and then leave it seems like that's the best case scenario oh, yeah. it seems, Perfect. seems like especially with snowmobiling there's an opportunity to to for some winter Tourism, right? Oh, for sure, um, for sure. Which I don't know if Cache Valley is fully taken advantage of.
1: I don't think it's been recognized. You know what we actually have. I mean, I don't think Cache Valley really advertises. I know, like Beaver Creek Lodge, mm-hmm. they advertise back on East Coast, Midwest, all that stuff. You don't see it around here. Um, I think people are a little more price sensitive here. But when people are planning a vacation, they're planning to go out for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got somewhere like that, that Beaver Creek Lodge. You know, they, they do your lodging, snowball rental, your gear, if you need to, a guiding, yeah. like they, they have some of everything. So, uh, I know they advertise it, but I don't think as a whole, I don't, I don't think Bear Lake gets, you know, the recognition it needs and then Cache Valley as well.
0: Right. Um, what, how, what's the, you know, we talked a little bit about the terrain, um, up the Canyon. What are your, some of your favorite places to ride without giving away like any of your secret, secret places, what what are some of the favorite spots from from the membership?
1: Oh my! So definitely the trails. Just stay on the trails where everyone else is ridden. Don't ride anything yep. oh, out sure. in the trees. Out yeah. 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 Um, I was talking to the buddy last night, and uh, he'd never mentioned it or thought about it the way that I do. And sometimes when I show up to a group that's in one of my like favorite areas, I like to pull up to him and be like, "You know, this is like out of bounds, right? This is private property. You gotta have permission to be yeah. here." And the shock on their face is is pretty funny yeah um but i mean they're never out of balance i just like to mess with them but um you know some of my favorite areas uh, man some guys are gonna kill me for this beaver creek's beaver creek's pretty fun um you get some of everything up there you got a lot of wind on some of the ridges so you get some good cornices some good drops jumps that way um probably one of the favorite places almost everybody always goes to it is uh st charles peak where you can look down off into st charles canyon um when it's not cloudy you can see out you look over bear lake i mean you get some really pretty views up there um really like kind of playing up on that area uh another favorite is tony grove i mean i i don't even know how to beat tony grove everywhere i've been like i guess i never realized how special of an area we have until i started exploring out going wyoming montana idaho and colorado and stuff um and what we have is it's it's something special uh Tony Grove is awesome. It's fun to get up on Naomi and, you know, make a call, do Facebook Live, whatever you want to do, stuff like yeah. that. Um, Tony Grove, I would say, is probably my overall favorite because there's some of everything up there. Um, and, and and for me, like, I, I get to run into groups that are up there skiing, snowboarding, they're using snowmobiles to travel back that way. Um, you get the snowmobile guys. There's just so much accessible terrain from tony grove itself um but don't go there nobody right
0: yeah don't go there it's out (laughs) of bounds right yeah exactly um we've we've kind of talked a little bit off air um, about non-motorized and motorized and you know we we can get into this as much as you want but um, it seems like across the outdoor industry whether it's um, kind of your your patagonias versus the the hunt fish community or um, yep. you, you know, the REI versus Cabela's or, um, in, in winter, it seems like it's winter or well, and you've got motorized, non-motorized in summer, you know, spring, yep. summer, fall, but also in winter. Um, what do you think causes some of that tension? And, and I think what you're doing is, is really cool Is you're trying to bridge the gap and, and your club is all about promoting winter recreation for everybody and accessibility, yep. what? Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I know that's been a point of tension um, within the winter sports community.
1: Um, well, first off, I think I think we're moving a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of communication back and forth between uh, some of the different user groups, but it's starting to get there. Um, I know we got an email as a club from, I believe it was Nordic, yeah, United. Nordic United. Yeah, yep. they had emailed us. Um, talking about one of the races they had going on. Um, they've got a race going on up at uh, Swan Flats area. Which there's another one that goes on down at Beaver Creek that we try and we try and be respectful of them. Um, obviously, in any user group, there's gonna be there's gonna be that rebel that causes problems for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, some skiers will swing a pole at a snowmobiler as they're going by because you know they're just upset somebody's there. Uh, snowmobilers will speed past and throw snow at a skier when they go by. All stuff I don't think is appropriate in any way. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have the same goals to get out there and enjoy what we're what our sport is. Um What we're trying to do, what I would like to see as a club, is that we support each other. Um you've got like Green Canyon, I know gets groomed with a snowmobile. Um they gotta drag behind behind a snowmobile, they groom that. Um, I, I would like to see how we could help that. Um, I being, being a Polaris ambassador, I have ties with Polaris. Um, I'm sure that I could help that situation if, you know, snowmobile came about, uh, they need an issue or had an issue and need a new snowmobile, something that way. I'm sure I could find a way to help this. You've got some of the clubs or some of the businesses that sell snowmobiles that are helpful that way that, you know, our end goal isn't to be like, well, we want to ride everything like we get it. Everybody kind of needs their area. They need their zone, um, and you know, I, there's people with with exhausts on their snow bikes or their sleds that are just obnoxious loud. I I don't like that. I don't want to go give give a buddy a uh, ski pole to get him unstuck and have my ears blown out. You know what I mean? Nobody wants yeah. that. So I think as snowbillers, we could probably. It's it's a it's a tough one because snowmobiles – Sound is power, or so people say, you know what I mean? It's kind of a joke we have that, you know, the louder your sled is, the more power it is. Not, not the case, but uh, I, I think part of it comes back to the aftermarket companies changing up, you know, how loud some of their stuff is. I don't want to see regulation causing any of this. I'd rather see that we as user groups can work together. Um, I think some of that comes back to we've just got to accept that, you know, We're different and we have different disciplines, but at the end of the day, our goal is to get out and use, use the, uh, environment for what we prefer. So I I really don't know how we're going to keep moving forward and, and grow this, but it's going to happen. I I don't think any of us have a choice, Yeah. you know, one way or another, everybody's going to have to give from each side.
0: Right. And I think the great thing is, is we're in a good situation where we've got this wilderness area. Yep. Right. You know, up, up, uh, Logan Canyon, that's huge. Yep. So in theory, there should be enough room for everybody. Right. It's there should just, be, you know, there is some give and take that's got to happen, um, you know, to, to share some of that space. Um, but we're lucky that we have so much of it so close. Right.
1: Well, and exactly. And, you know, maybe, I, I don't know how many skiers really recognize, um, that the snowmobile trails up in the mountains, those are groomed off of snowmobile permits. That's that's funded off of snowmobiling. The mm. snowmobilers pay for that. So if they didn't pay for it, you'd have two tracks running in with skis, and you'd be following those. Right. Um, not to say the trails are always the best. Sometimes they need groom more than they are. It just depends on use. But uh, you've got that. Uh, one of the things I think that I've talked with a lot of snowmobilers lately is that the parking lots. The parking lots are hard. We've got bunch grass and we've got Franklin Basin that they put slow moving vehicle lanes in, which is taken out of the parking for skiers and snowmobilers. So now we're all having to sacrifice. You know, we get a little more skiers into the Tony Grove parking lot because of the bunch grass situation mm. or um, into the Franklin Basin parking lot. We can't park as many trailers out on the road, which you know, not throw the state under the bus. They have done a good job at plowing those those parking lots back a little bit further, trying to keep as much space as they had before. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're doing their part to try to help us. But at the end of the day, it comes back to, you know, the first guy in the parking lot, or first person I should say maybe, is, depends how they park, because that sets the tone for the rest of the day. When you've got, A guy full of or a truck full of six guys and they've got their 28 foot gooseneck trailer pulled behind their truck they've got six snowmobiles in there that seems like they're taking up a lot of space but imagine if each of those guys brought their pickup with their sled in the bed of their truck six trucks are going to take up way more space Mm -hmm. you know and you know even then if each you know three of them had trailers on they're going to take up double the triple the amount of space so um something we're working on hopefully is to expand Franklin Basin parking lot to make this better for everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I'll use this for instance, when I pulled up on Sunday to go snowmobile Beaver Creek, there was a single Toyota pickup parked in the middle of the parking lot, opposite direction of all the way, the way that all the trucks and trailers pull in a park so that we can make as much room for everybody parked right in the middle. Hmm. Um, I'm a single pickup. I've got a sled deck on my truck. I try and park on the edges and parallel park to the edge and not just nose in. Um, that way I leave space for trucks, trailers to get in and out maneuverability. And at the end of the day, like everybody wants to go use the area. So, um, parking lots are huge, depending how people park. It can really, really ruin a lot of people's day and they have to go find somewhere else to completely ride just because somebody decided to park in an unfriendly manner. Right.
0: These are the things that I think your casual user doesn't think about. Right. Um, and I think that's the power of, of a club. Yep. Um, and an association like this and someone like you in, in your position, that's like setting the tone. Yep. Right. And if you have a substantial membership, like you do, like if leadership is pushing something, like hopefully it trickles yeah. down, right. You're I, setting I think the bar. It does. So.
1: And I, I think a lot of the skiing community kind of sees it too, Yeah. but I don't know, like yeah. when they get stuck and they can't get out, our trucks pull them out if they need it. So right. like at the end of the day, we're, we're not just jerks, but We definitely have to work together. And the thing is, like, if people can't figure out how to park on their own, like, what are we going to do? People aren't going to be able to use it? Or do we need somebody there regulating how you park? Do we need to pay for that? Like, nobody wants that. Our gear is already expensive as is.
0: Right. So in this role, I don't know, did you ever expect that you would have to be advocating for increases in parking and working with city and state. And is that something you expected coming into this role? Or did you have Um, experience doing some of that before?
1: Not really. I kind of got voluntold into being president, to be honest. I just got asked to come to some of the meetings and and then uh, casually got asked if or voluntold if I'd be vice president. And uh, that was an easy way for them to transition president out and just push me into it, which I'm fine with. Um, I think, like I say, I'm self self uh employed so you give back and, and it comes back around i'm not worried that way so um far as far as what we do i didn't really know what to expect to be honest mm. like i thought a club was like if you don't know where to ride you don't have a riding group you kind of go out and ride trails together and you know there's not much more than that that's my idea of what a trail was before i got involved or a club before i got involved with the club that's what i thought it was um I now that I'm in it I see the need to jump in and really help and push and grow the sport so yeah th- there's always something that comes up um and I wouldn't say it's just me I've got a great team behind me that you know I ask these guys and nobody's paid to do any of this I'm not paid for any of it um we give hundreds of hours a year um time fuel costs you know we we wear our gear out doing some of the stuff that we do Which, and everybody does it, you know, willingly and happily. Right. So it's never, it's never like we're pulling teeth for anybody.
0: Right. So why do you do it? Like, how did you get into the sport and what is it that keeps you coming back and spending those extra hours to build the community?
1: Um, I got into it. I, I've always had a passion for snowmobiling big time. Like it's, it's my bad habit. You know, I I spend more on snowmobiling than I would smoking, but I don't smoke or any of that. So I can spend that extra. So this is this is my bad habit. Um, And I'm a firm believer in um, giving back, not just like financially, whatever, but time. Time is our most valuable thing. Right. So if I give my time and my effort one way or another, it comes back around like, yeah, and if it doesn't, I'm better for what I've done. At the end of the day, I've gained a skill set. I've made calls and talked with people that I maybe wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to help the community. And again, self-employed, my living, my support of my family, my extended family, everything comes off of the community. Mm -hmm. So why don't I find a way to give back? That's that's kind of been my mindset is, you know, sometimes it feels like a pain, like, uh, gosh, like most of January. me and several others, we gave most of our time to go and put on these motorized basics one-on-one classes for the different clubs throughout the state. Mm. Um, and a lot of those were really good pow days. So, I mean, we were able to go ride that second half of the day, but we all sacrificed time and fuel to go throughout the state to put these classes on. And we're still not done with them, we still put them on. Um, but at the end of the day, you just you just gotta find a way to provide value to your community find a way to give back um, one way or another if you can't give your time if you can afford financially great if you can make some calls and find you know for, for me the way i got involved is i started looking at these different groups um you've got boondockers movie crew they put on fundraisers every year they do a uh movie premiere and a raffle and everything and the proceeds of that goes to utah snowmobile or utah avalanche center mm. um which the amount of money they spend daily to put out a report to keep everybody traveling yeah. that country safe is yeah. crazy. Um, and so they, they put on this movie, they have the time, the equipment, they put on all of this and they give all of the proceeds back. They don't keep any of it. They could be, you know, some quote unquote big movie star, or whatever, which they get their name out, great. But at the end of the day, most of them don't care about the recognition. It's what can they do for the community. Um, so I kind of saw that and I hit up those guys and said hey what can I do to help and they said you know if you can get anything for the fundraisers raffle prizes things like that great so I just started calling people I started calling you know places like Tom Cobbs up at TKI CNC um I called him up and he's like yeah I'll send you a shipment of shirts and whatever else I can send you like I'll just see what all we have and I'll ship it to you Mm. like not even a second thought about it and he's all the way up in Montana but yet he's given to Utah to help um once i started seeing that you've got all of these bigger businesses names giving and and just providing that value back without looking for that recognition back um it kind of opened my eyes up to like well what can i do like yeah i'm calling and asking for all these things and i'm not someone that loves to call and ask for free stuff like nobody nobody wants to be like hey you got some more of that free you could just give me yeah right like like i say being self-employed i understand the cost of running a business and it free doesn't work. Giving discounts is hard to keep a business afloat. Yeah, yeah. So just seeing how they could give back, I kind of looked at it and, you know, how can I give back? And luckily I've got friends like Josh that, uh, he felt it would be, it'd be good for me in the community if I could get involved with them and kind of just coaxed me into it and pulled me in and has helped me along the way and, um, huge support that way. And then You know, from that, it's flowed from me to other people, or we've just kind of started pulling groups and pulling people, and everyone's just kind of filled a role. I mean, when somebody steps onto our board, we don't have, like, a secretary, and we don't have, like, specific positions anybody holds. Like, yeah, they say I'm the president, but at the end of the day, like, I just get to make a decision, and, you know, everybody puts an idea out, I decide this is the direction we're going. And if it's not great, I get to accept that responsibility of good or bad either way. Yeah. Um, I think, like I say, to answer your question, simply just find a way to give back.
0: Right. So you mentioned, you know, a few of the people in this community that make it all happen. We're lucky enough to ha- have Paige Pagnuco of the Utah Avalanche Center. They're, they've got a Logan group, right? Yep. Uh, with with her uh, really leading that Um you know, wanted to shout them out. We, we did an interview with her so people can go back and and listen to our conversation, conversation with her. But, um, you know, how important is, is that for the group? I know you, you put on some avalanche clinics and and trainings and probably work with this group really heavily, but underappreciated resource that we have here in the community. I I would agree. I I
1: would agree. Yeah. I see her and Toby out all the time out doing work, whether it's, you know, getting the avalanche report together and doing the testing or just, in the off season of snow, they're out putting together, um, just helping with events, put them on, and find a way to raise awareness and and raise, you know, the cause. All in all, um, I w- I would like to say that they are a huge, they 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 are basically the reason that we have the transceiver check stations at the trailheads we have, mm. like. Um, now, what,
0: now I, what are those? Speak so, to that. A little so,
1: bit. so what that is, is as you leave the parking lot, there's a check station that says, are you beeping? You know, as a reminder to okay. turn your transceiver on. Yeah. But what it has, it has a solar panel that runs and helps charge a battery. And it has a light that you pull up to. I think it's within like four or five feet. You get within that and it has a, a red X when you pull up to it and it'll flash a green circle. That's a go ahead. Yeah, your transceiver's on, it's sending. Oh, wow. Um, and so you've got all of those as a good reminder um, to make sure that you're beeping. Are mm. you beeping? Yeah. Um, so, I and we've got those at Franklin Basin, Tony Grove, uh, Beaver Creek, and I believe Prov's is up and going. Oh, wow. Which, side note, if anybody's out there and it's snowing or whatever, it should drive by it. Brush the solar panel off so it keeps charged. Just brush the snow off it. Help everybody. That's great. Um, The other thing that they have done is we have the Beacon Search Station up at Franklin Basin parking lot. That's Mm -hmm. huge. You can pull up there by yourself. You know, you take your kids and you're right at the parking lot. You can walk out over to the Beacon Search Station, turn on just the couple that you want and teach somebody or practice all completely by yourself how to search with your transceiver probe and then dig it and then bury it back in. Mm. Um, that's provided and, and they've, they're the ones that I blame completely for being able to have, you know, these luxuries.
0: And that's, that's huge to simulate those experiences. Cause oh, yeah. once you're in, I, and I don't know if you've been in, in that situation, avalanche situations, ever had to Luckily, hopefully no. not. Um, but I imagine that the, the practice that you guys go through where you're actually burying your, you know, everything and doing the probe and digging, yep. like that practice, you know, you hope you have never have to use it, but you don't want to get into that situation without having practiced, right? Yeah,
1: it's the education that you you absolutely have to have and you need, but you hope to never use that education for sure. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of what it is,
0: right? Um, what do you think? We we touched on this a little bit. What do you think Cash Valley could do to better support winter sports and recreation here in our area? Oh besides you know giving financially to you know causes like avalanche center or um you know certainly there's like infrastructure needs you know anything along those lines
1: um to grow winter sports awareness um or growth i I don't know i don't really know what you could do um because i i think no matter what you have both sides of the party there that you know some people are like yeah we need to grow it so we get tourism money growing and we get people coming but you got the other side of the the group that's going to be like yeah but they're going to like track out all of our snow Mm. so yeah um growth wise just being more open to tourism um some different communities you've got airbnbs that have really helped with this like Mm. the groups that come out from michigan and wisconsin those guys Like I say there's nine to 15 of them, so to do hotels is just outrageous, yeah, especially for a week. Like, that's that's crazy expensive for them. So, a lot of times they're finding an Airbnb and they can find a big house that you know it's two grand or three grand for a week, but you split that out between 10 to 15 people, yeah, and it ends up being like 50 bucks a night type deal, yeah. Um, it's a lot more reasonable. Um, so I and great,
0: I, I, and great for individuals, right? Those individuals correct. here in our community. Yeah. But
1: not all communities are so open to yeah. Airbnbs. And I can understand yeah. why they may not be. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe to help that would be regions in within a community that, hey, you can do Airbnbs within this region. Which right. to me, if, if you look at it from a business standpoint, like an Airbnb is going to make your community look better. Because you get rated like every group that stays there the yeah, can yeah. rate you. So you're either good or bad. If you're bad, you're failing. You're not making money. Nobody right. wants to put money into a house to rent out to not yeah. make money back. Right. So they they usually tend to stay cleaner, a little more organized, mm-hmm. and uh, put on a better show. So I think at the end of the day, like it really does help the community. Um, and, and they're putting them in good areas and keeping the neighborhood safe because, again, that's their business. That's how they make money. They want it to, to thrive.
0: For sure, so being a little more tour, tourist friendly. Correct. Um, you know, I we touched on this a little bit, but why do you ride personally? What is it about this sport that keeps you coming back?
1: Oh, uh, I don't, I guess I've never really thought about that. Had to answer that question. Um, for me, uh, I forget about everything else I'm doing, everything else that's going on in life. Um, I could be crazy stressed and I'll go out and ride. And the only thing I can focus on is exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, when you're pulling a, a technical line through the trees or through shoots, whatever, um, if you're not focused on what you're doing, you're, you're going to wreck something or you're going to hurt yourself or kill yourself. Um, for me, it's, I wouldn't say it's an escape. Cause I don't feel like I have the kind of life I want to escape. But it's, uh, it's a release just to – you get that time to forget about everything else. Um, I grew up snowboarding, hiking, and snowboarding backcountry and, and always shred and pow. Um, for me, snowmobiling just allows me to access more terrain um, and just see beauties that, that the earth provides us that you just wouldn't see otherwise. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it was cool to go out and board and always see cool stuff and go snowshoeing but I get to cover so much more terrain on my sled and I get to see so much more. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's fun to go downhill fast. It's even more fun to go uphill at 80 miles an hour.
0: Right. Oh yeah, I bet. (laughs) Um, that's awesome. Uh, how do people stay in touch with the group, get involved, become a member? Um, what's the best way to stay in touch that way?
1: Um, we are on Instagram as top Utah snowmobile association. Um, and also on Facebook. That's probably one of the best ways. Yeah. And, and on Facebook, we're not set up as a page. We're set up as a group. Yeah. Again, it's a community. So um, we have some admins, but at the end of the day, it's all of us posting stuff. Right. Um, so it's not the the page posting it. It's yeah. It's the group.
0: Right. And that group seems very active. And then from there, you've got a website too, right?
1: Uh, uh, yes, we are... Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. <laughs> they can uh,
0: find, they can, it's linked on the Facebook group. So. It,
1: it is there. And if you even go to snow, you um, you can join any of the clubs throughout the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of set up on the webpage that you can go in there to the state association and you can join whatever clubs you want locally there. Um, made it quick and easy for everybody.
0: That's awesome. And we'll, we'll link to all these, um, different pages on the show notes so people can, can get to those. But, um, Thanks for taking the time. This has been great. And I hope, hope you know, listeners who aren't a, uh, acquainted with snowmobiling or, you know, how significant, right? you know, this, you know, this sport is to our community have gained a new appreciation. And for those who are in the community, like we appreciate what you do, especially when oh, it comes sure. to keeping people safe and making, uh, lands more accessible. We appreciate what you do. So oh, yeah, keep it up.
1: Um, if anybody ever wants to get on a snowmobile, hit me up. Yeah. Uh, I can always find a sled, an extra sled. People can go out and experience it. Um, if you're a snowboarder and you want to go out and experience the backcountry, we have the option to strap boards, skis, whatever, to sleds and go out and explore a new terrain that you've never explored, probably because it would take you a day and a half to hike
0: there. Right. How do so, people reach you personally? Um,
1: I'm on, I, I would say reach me on Instagram as SledVenture um, and same thing on Facebook. Okay. I've got both pages there. Hit me up that way. That would probably be the best. That's I try and keep my snowmobile stuff that way.
0: Right. Okay. That's perfect. Well, thanks again for taking the time. This has been great. Thank Appreciate you. all you do. Thanks for listening to the Highlander Podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on Highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cash Valley.